All right, this is Stable, and you're listening to Vision is Greater Than Anything. And today I have Nate Clayberg. And before I let you introduce yourself, Nate, and, and tell us your vision, I just want to briefly say um, thanks again for doing this episode. I know for those that don't know, we did it last week, and then I had a weird mess up with the audio that kind of destroyed the episode, and it just sucked. And so I reached out and let you know what happened, and you agreed to reschedule it. And um, I know you're busy, so I appreciate it from that end. And then also I just want to say for those people that – are doing something new or doing something that they love anyways and they make mistakes. It's not as big of a deal as we usually make it out to be. It frustrated me a little bit, but here we are going at it again. Um, so if you're struggling, if you made a mistake, keep on going. Um, so I'll just leave that there. And then, um, Nate, why don't you introduce yourself and tell me what the vision is? Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping, uh, you know, the first uh, – secret session we had as far as a podcast uh hopefully this one is better than what that is so that's always the goal for for improvement so mm -hmm. uh i appreciate you reaching out and you know we connected through a mutual friend uh you know when it relates to i think the the goals that we both have of, of uh you know ourselves trying to find pathways to purpose and in turn helping others uh do that same way and uh we kind of kind of work with the same type of age group though uh you look. Uh, you're looking more on the sports end, and I'm looking more on how do we uh, how do we look on the the life away from sports. I guess would be an angle to to say. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. How long have you been um, a part of Caps? So uh, I guess you know referring to it, Caps stands for the Center for Ranch Professional Studies. I've been involved with that uh, for about four years. Um, it's a, a profession-based learning education program for high school students that was started in Iowa in the Cedar Falls School District at Cedar Falls High School. Uh, it came out of Overland Park, Kansas and, and Blue Valley School District. Uh, probably it's been about 10 years, I think. And right now there are 68 programs across the country through 19 states, three countries. Um, and I think it's uh, pushing 100 school districts that are involved in this type of learning. So, you know, it's really uh, what, what what's interesting to me is is how innovative it is. And it's something, you know, I wish I had. And when I talk to adults, they're like, God, I wish I had that. Or kids mm -hmm. have already went through school saying, I wish my kids went through that. Uh, but simplistically, it's we take students outside the classroom for uh, three class periods each day. They go into a professional environment. Um, they work on projects, work on professional skills, uh, develop a true confidence through problem solving. And we do it differently. So, you know, we call each other by their first names. They don't get to uh, Graded, they get evaluated just like when you're going to work and onboarded uh, at at the company locations that they're at. Uh, something exciting that took place last spring, aside from the pandemic, uh, was adding in two affiliate programs in Northeast Iowa and the Cedar Valley region uh, with uh, Jessup High School and uh, Columbus Catholic High School in Waterloo, uh, becoming affiliates of the Cedar Valley CAPS uh, Consortium. And then coming up here in January, uh, Wapsie Valley uh, near Fairbank, uh, Denver High School, uh, Denver, Iowa High School, as well as uh, Don Bosco Catholic in Gilbertville. Uh, they'll become uh, a total of six now in the Cedar Valley uh, that are focused on this new way of learning. And um, it's exciting uh, when you get kids in there uh, or students. I, I always get slapped in my hand when I call them kids or students because we call them associates. We want to treat them like we want to be treated. Um, and when you can do that, there's a whole different uh, light switch that changes uh, in that student's mind that they're not just a student or a kid. 
but then they become a professional and a, and a, and a fellow colleague, if you will. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I started in that uh, December of 16. Uh, Ethan Weekman and I, who was the director of the program, started with 15 uh, or 14 students, or I think about this, 13 associates. Uh, we've got 130 involved in Cedar Falls District this year. Plus, you add on full programs at uh, Columbus and, and Jessup and continue to grow it there. So um, it's fun to be a part of. Yeah. And are, are you like recruiting the kids to come and do this or is this something you present at the school and it's and they sign up voluntarily if they're interested in it? And yeah, if there's, the there's no prereq. Yeah, there's no prerequisites uh, for it. You don't have to be on that A track or an AP track or even college focus, that type of thing. It's open to everybody. Uh, honestly, we see some of the um, I guess I'll call them the C students that really mm-hmm. excel at this because they're doing project work and they could put reality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the A students. Also, to be honest, struggle a little bit because uh, they can be so linear thinking of they want to be guided to that A. Uh, not all of them, uh, but most of them, you know, they want to know, OK, what do I have to do to get an A? Uh, give me the steps. A, B, C, D, E. I got to read this. I got to take this test. I got to study this. I got to turn this in. Um, we say if you're wanting an A, if you're asking us for what's it take to get an A, uh, and we tell you exactly what you should do. You're probably going to end up with a B or a three in our grading system or evaluation uh-huh. system. And they're kind of like, well, what do you mean? Well, we're looking for how can you go extra? How can you go beyond? You know, even the simple thing of each of our associates will have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, there's a step-by-step guide they go through. Um, but if we pull it up and they're only connected to three of their associates and the instructors and their parents, um, you just did what was asked of you. But all of a sudden you're connecting with mentors, speakers, people in industries that you're interested in being part of. Well, you went above and beyond. So we're gonna you know, evaluate that a little bit higher because you did what we didn't ask you to do, but you saw mm-hmm. value in. So how do you look, I guess that's, a, that's an interesting point, the, the grades thing. Obviously you never wanna tell a kid, don't go for A's, you know what I mean? Grades do become important, but how do you have that conversation that in the real world, and again, this is what CAPS will do, it'll teach you skills that you can use in the real world where you find out what you're good at, what you're not, what you're kind of maybe um, meant to do a little bit. How do you have that conversation with the kid um, to break that linear thought where if I just get these A's, then I'm going to be set and I'll be fine, when in reality, it's the skills that you develop along the way that will get you paid, not necessarily those grades. Those grades look good, you know, on a resume when you're going to college, and it'll get you some scholarships, I believe. But it, practically speaking, in the real world, your skills, what you bring to the table is what gets you paid, not necessarily those grades. So how do you have that conversation with a kid that is in high school that's interested in that CAPS program? Yeah, I would say not even, you know, worry about getting paid, but even, you know, feeling like you've got a purpose, um, hmm. you know, to, to move on and, and bring the package all together. Um, you know, you're, we, they come into us and, and they've been trained for um, 10, 11 12 years through linear thinking, got to get the A, got to get to college, got to do this, this, this. Um, there's not, I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with that. It's a little dated. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're just trying to evolve that a little bit. I think when you show that you're an A student, um, <clears throat> you're putting in the work, you're focused, you're trainable, teachable, that type of thing. Um, but given the freedom to um, innovate, or I even say we give them the permission uh, to be confident. And that's something they don't always uh, necessarily get yeah. uh, is the permission because it's always, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to be here at this time, you got to wear this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and 
And if we didn't have order in our lives, you know, it would be chaos. Right. Um, right. But it, we're asking to, people to think a little bit differently because especially now we're in a different time. Um, school's not going to look the same uh, as it is. Work's not going to look the same as it is. So many different things aren't going to look the same as they are uh, pre-pandemic. A lot has changed. And how can you adapt to that, especially with, mm -hmm. with learning? Um, you know, going back to your question, how do we, how do we uh, uh, change that? Um, it's an evolution, really. And yeah. as you go through a semester class that this is, or course, and it's three class periods long, uh, we really don't see the light bulb moments until almost before the end of the semester that all of a sudden it clicks, that they're mm -hmm. putting their final presentations together, wrapping up projects, getting experiences in. And then they have that time to reflect going, you know, this was me in, in August and now here's me in December, January. And they notice a difference. Their parents notice a difference. Their peers notice a difference. Uh, teachers and other classes notice a difference. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to explain. It's just a process that we go through to uh, help them be, create more self-awareness, uh, discover themselves, discover their pathway, discover that purpose. Mm -hmm. now, so I know we briefly talked last time. Obviously, these conversations with kids that you don't know can be a little bit easier. You have a daughter, uh, correct? Right, right. And so tell me how it is. Obviously, it's going to be different, but what does that look like when you're doing it with your own kid versus when you're doing it with these kids um, through the program? Yeah, so, you know, I do I do work primarily with, with the CAPS program here <clears throat> here in Cedar in Cedar Falls and the Cedar Valley uh, with those affiliates. And, and then I've got uh, another... Uh, I guess I'll call it a education coaching type business where I do work with high school age students primarily and, and even uh, a little bit older to try and help them discover what their pathways could be. Uh, uh -huh. Like I said, everything's always linear. You know, you're, it's like you're, you're getting your good grades, you're getting these experiences, whether band, athletics or whatever, uh, to get into college. And yeah. once you're there, it's like, okay, I'm here. Okay, I'm, now I got to follow this path because I chose accounting or I chose psychology. And but do you really know why you chose that path? And that's where that's where I come in on the caps level and also on on this, uh, I guess, on the private level too, working with uh, with young people and also their families um, is to go through the system I have and try and discover that gap between choosing uh, uh choosing a college, choosing a major, which actually is not your first choice. It's what kind of work are you wired to do and what kind of job is that and where is that? And let's reverse uh -huh. engineer back to it. But going back to your question, you know, how do you know, I, I about how do I do it with my own 17, almost 18 year old daughter? Uh, it's a little more challenging, uh, but, you know, she's been raised around it and it's it's a, she's a product of her environment because we've yeah. talked about it for years of. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think she was three or four. And she's like, I'll work at the local gas station or convenience store from <laughs> 3 to 3.15. Yeah. I was like, well, that's uh, not realistic, but at least you're thinking about something, right? Right. Uh, and, and that's that's what you have to think through. Um, so right now, you know, she's seen me talking to students and I had this and, and we kind of have indirect conversations. And, you know, all the college materials have been showing up for the last two years in the mail, yeah. which to me is a complete waste of money in print. And I, I think the only one that pays benefit is the post office, mm. uh, keeping them afloat with with all those materials. Um, and the creativity that they, they, that attempts to go into that. Um, but I'm that parent when it's not my kid. I'm, I can be that parent that isn't their parent that can give them some direction. Yeah. Uh, 
because Lord knows I'll, I'll struggle with this with my 14 year old trying to direct, uh, direct him <laughs> where he wants to go or needs to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I've, uh, been actually pretty busy here this week. I've got three or four that I've scheduled and working through. And, and there was a young girl in central Iowa, uh, that when we got done, I said, well, give me some clarity, you know, when we came in and where we're at now. And, uh, she said, well, I think I was maybe at a two on uh, a little more smoky, dark, and she was up to an eight by the time you we were done because she could see potential pathway of, of where she could go. Mm-hmm. How do you have, how do you have, I guess maybe you might know this better than I do, but how would you have or talk about at least that balance of when it comes to something very practical like this, but then also pursuing like that dream, you know? Because again, when you're in high school, that that's you're really impressionable then. You, you have these big goals, ideas, aspirations. Not necessarily ones that you're going to be suited to do, but you don't know that before you do it, you know. So when you have, right. let's say, that dream, how do you find that balance of, yes, try and go as much as you can in on that, but then also thinking about these things? Because I think we talked briefly before when it came to soccer for me, I mean, in my mind, I was right. going to play no matter what. And in your mind, I believe, what was, what was the sport that you were doing? Well, I was... Uh, well, uh, broadcasting was what I was trying to get. Oh, broadcasting. That's right. So broadcasting, yeah. And, yeah. and you believe we had this conversation before, but that's what you're going to do, you know, but reality is reality. And as you, as you keep on living, you learn that maybe you're not suited to do that. Maybe you don't like it as much. Maybe you love it. Maybe you're great at it. You don't know either way. So how do you have that conversation when, if somebody asks you, this is my dream, but then there's reality as well. How do you find that balance? And I think that's something I'm curious for everybody. Cause I believe everybody has a different take on that. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, you with soccer, me with uh, with broadcasting and you could say it, anybody with violin or piano or basketball or whatever it happens to be. There's something that um, growing up you were drawn to and somebody told you how good you are at it. You know, Aristotle said, where the needs of the world and your talents cross, there lies your vocation. Uh, And there's a term we use in caps and and continue uh, even beyond that. It's called ikigai. It's a Japanese phrase where, Mm -hmm. you know, if you can match your passion, mission, profession, vocation together, it fits right in with that purpose. So I I think when you we talked before, you know, those areas, uh, when you look at soccer, you know, for example, uh, you love doing it. And you were good at it. So it fit that passion, right? So people are always saying, find your passion, find your passion. Well, that's two of the four circles. Um, can you get paid for it? Yeah, right. You got you to gotta find <laughs> that right pathway. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's the same thing I had with, with radio is um, I, I was, I loved doing it. I was good at it. Um, can I get paid for it? Well, you, you can, you can make money doing it. Can you have a living doing it? You know, it's, I think the same with soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is where we, we both maybe get into it. Um, you know, does the world need it? Does the world need yeah. you to play soccer? Well, does the world need me to broadcast? And I would say we're both in that same area. So it turns out to be entertainment at that point, right, uh, right. you know, or time spent. Um, granted, yeah, broadcasting is important in weather or communicating news or whatever during during times. But um, when you re- pull back and reflect on that, and and that's not to diss any soccer players or broadcasters out there that that are uh, out there making a living at it, it just didn't work for us, and it didn't just fit us, you know. Right. Because uh, right. I think you t- you talked about, um, and you'll have to help me. I think you were was it Thailand that yeah. you finally discovered you got on the pitch and you're like. Yep. That, this is it. This is it. And then with radio, um, it kind of came to me where I realized I really enjoyed doing it, but I couldn't make a living at it. But 
it helped me discover that um, I could do it on the side. I can do podcasts and I do, I, I do broadcast high school sports and, and some collegiate sports. And, um, and then you found it with soccer and, and your training uh, yeah. that you do that, you know, I think now we can all say we, we hit those four circles when it relates yeah. to, to those areas between soccer and broadcasting. And yeah. again, yeah. I, don't, I don't mean to take over the uh, interview. I, I tend to do that since I'm not usually in this seat. Oh, you're, you're, you're the guest. So this is how it should be. <laughs> but a little, I really I want to hit on that real quick. And because obviously, like, again, the soccer did not work out for me, but but the world didn't. And it's OK when these things don't work out. I think it's it, it's hard to really understand that, like when you're pursuing it and you're in the thick of it and things aren't going well, you can kind of see yourself as a failure or maybe you're letting other people down when in reality, mm -hmm. that that's rarely the case. Um, so right. to me, it's 100 it's 100 percent OK that you do these things and then you fail. Or, or they don't go well. You don't get the results you want. That's an okay thing. How would you have that? How would you help some, get that across to somebody that it's okay for, for things not to work out? Because it's, I know in reality things aren't always going to, but we put so much pressure on ourselves that we don't need to. It, it, it's all us, you know, that we're failures. Or that, now we're not good enough anymore because this didn't, thing didn't work out. Now I don't know who the hell I am. How do you have that conversation with with the people that you that you work with? Well, it has to, it, it's a candid conversation. It's hard and, and you're going to upset somebody and, and, but you have to, I think it comes back to anything. It's, it's, you're there to care for them. Yeah. You know, my wife told me a story the other day about um, uh, somebody she knows uh, invested, I think it was my daughter, my wife was telling me this, but it's uh, uh, swimming. Um, their daughter was huge into swimming. They invested all this, these dollars and going to meets and things like that. And up with a scholarship here uh, at, at a, at a, uh, division one level got there done she was done and her her mom was more devastated and i think the yeah. daughter had had the relief uh for what that is um i don't think she was ever really maybe given the true question of do you want to swim um you know did somebody truly ask you do you want to play professional soccer do you want to be a professional broadcaster um, I think right away we all say, yeah, but we don't know what it means right. as we get into it. And the story I think I told you in one of our conversations is I remember my first full-time radio job and there was a guy that came in that uh, came in to record his commercials. He was working at a furniture store. And I remember he used to say kind of negative things about the profession, you know, run away, hide, that type of thing. And I'm like, that's not going to happen to me. You know, it happened to you. Sucks to be you, but not going to happen mm -hmm. to me. Um but I, you know, I was young and in my early twenties and thinking, this is where I'm going. This is my, my pathway, but still didn't really know. And I reflect back now going, okay, I see where he's at. Cause he was married, um, had kids, um, had a mortgage and aspirations for things you need money for. Mm -hmm. And that necessarily wasn't the pathway and he wasn't going to leave the area. Um, and I'm going to guess the same was for you. Um, you had people encourage you for soccer, but did you have people, I'm sure along the way, naysayers of, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, yeah, I've had that a couple of times. I've had people tell me I'm wasting my time, my, my dad being one of them, you know. Um, but that honesty is really important, you know. I think that he comes from, 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 from Serbia, and that's kind of where we're from, the Serbia, ex-Yugoslavia areas where we're from. And the mindset there, I think, is a little bit different when it comes to pursuing um, dreams or the things you're really passionate about. Um, because there it's, you know, how are you going to make money? How are you going to eat? How are you going to take care of your family? And when they came to the U.S., that's the only thing on their minds. 
And so they, they still come with that mindset from back there. And they see me pursuing what I want to pursue. How am I going to eat? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to do that? that? That's what's on their minds when it comes to that. So, of course, you're going to have those naysayers. Um, my dad was one of them. But fortunately, it came around and I kept going. And our relationship is in a good place, you know. And so I'm curious. A moment ago, you said that girl, she went to college and realized that swimming isn't it anymore. Kind of like I realized that soccer wasn't going to be it for me anymore. Um, and you said the parent was a little bit more upset than she was. Now I have like a theory, not theory, but I have some thoughts as to why that is. I'm curious what your take is on that because you actually have a kid that's around 17, 18 years old. Um, do you, two things. Do you deep down have certain things that you kind of want her to move towards or push towards or pursue or no? Um, but if you do, why do you think it hurts parents a little bit more sometimes than the, than the kid? You know, I think from a parent's perspective, you want what's best for your kid and you want to succeed. And granted, there's a little bit of, you know, um, I'd say it's not necessarily peer pressure, but maybe it's keeping up with the Joneses a little bit um, mm. that, you know, your kids are involved in this. And, and sports starts so early nowadays yeah. and it has become such a business, too, of getting involved in soccer so early. And I think soccer really what soccer and wrestling seem to be the ones that started so early with club and then it all evolved into basketball and uh, baseball, softball, and it's just kind of really trickled down. And, and it's, I think there's that thought of, you know, college scholarship and success and things like that. Um, you know, my wife and I never really uh, pushed that. I can tell you back in 2000 and I've got to think about this 2012 Olympics, maybe somewhere in there. Um, my daughter wanted, she was doing some tumbling, but she wanted to try the true gymnastics with the apparatus and all that stuff. So we ended up in Waterloo and, and, uh, one day a week, and then they wanted to go two days a week. And then it was three days a week. And, um, we're like, this is hard, you know, this is hard that, and, and my, I'll remember distinctly my wife saying, you know, your goal may be the Olympics, but that's not our goal for you. Yeah. And, you know, I think that can be huge when, um, yeah, you want to support. It's 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 such a fine line you got to walk. You want to support your kids' dreams, but you also want to keep them somewhat grounded, but also see compromise in what in what your dreams are. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard. I see. I mean, I see friends that are on the go all the time, um, and I often wonder during the during pandemic in the spring and and winter uh, when they would usually sit in the gym or on field that they were home with their kids. And, and I guess at that point, I hope they were reconnecting and learning some new things about each other that they, they didn't know before. Um, but you know, that's, that, that's how they, that's how their lives were and, and, and things are changing. And, and to us, you know, um, we just have not pushed it, you know, it, you know, yeah. we got our kids involved in activities to keep them active, keep them socially engaged, that type of thing. I never expected them to be professional in things. They each have their, uh, skill sets that they have strengths in um, and talents in and that type of thing. So when we see those, yeah, we do nurture that. We do nurture that. Um, that might, you know, here's a, here's a prime example of uh, uh, a couple of years ago, my son, he's been looking for his thing. It wasn't football. It wasn't baseball. He enjoys those, those sports, but um, loves water skiing, loves the water. And I started talking to somebody about that's on the on the Waterhawk ski team in Waterloo or outside of Waterloo, and they're like, "Come on out, mm -hmm. God, he loves it." You know, you know, he he you get him on the water, and and is he gonna be a professional skier? No, but it's something he enjoys doing and is drawn to. You know, you're gonna be on the water in the summertime and and uh, in skiing. 
you know, that's pretty, that's pretty good too. Um, so you have to find that thing that you're drawn to. And um, there wasn't necessarily a sport I was drawn to. It was, I was drawn to the broadcasting booth. I think that was my mm-hmm. sport. You know, I was, I remember sitting on a deck when I was in elementary school or whatever, uh, PA, uh, doing a PA speaker for uh, our, our, uh, our uh, wiffle ball games that were going on in the backyard. Um, so I kind of meet that, that was the excitement for me. And I got encouragement from that, just like mm-hmm. you probably got encouragement when they saw you doing really well on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Or the pitch, I would say, right? That's, the That's right. Yeah, get, get, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> at, at what point would you, and I guess this is something that's always on my mind, but at what point do you, as an individual, but then also be a person in, in that leadership, leadership position where you're guiding others, at what point for the individual do you, not necessarily call it, call it quits, but know when it's, it's it's time to hang it up. Not know, but when should that happen? Should it be when you keep going until you realize it for yourself? Or does something happen before that that you that they shouldn't click, that this isn't going to be it, if that question makes sense? But then being in that leadership role and talking to somebody younger, whether it's sports or some, or the career. For example, in camps, when you're leading them down these different paths and they're learning about themselves, what they're good at, what they're not good at, at what point do do you tell them that this isn't going to be it, the particular thing they're following at that point, or when can they know that for themselves? Does that question make sense? Yeah, you know, it does. But, you know, at, a, at eight, 17, 18, you tell somebody that they're not going to play pro football or they're not going to um, be the CEO of, of, uh, of Google. Well, they very well may be. Um, but I think what you have to walk the line on is you could, but there's a pathway and you talk about mm-hmm. what that pathway could be. And I think the biggest thing is, is exposing people, no matter what age, if, if they're looking for where their direction is, just, you start, you know, you start talking to people, you start looking at jobs, you start looking at vocations, things like that, that are out there, uh, places you want to live, things you want to do. Um, you know, is it family? Is it not family? Is it traveling? Is it, is it, is it what? You know, that's the piece that no one really talks about is those things beyond just what the work you're doing to get a paycheck. Yeah. It's what happens outside those what should be eight hours or nine hours a day. Um, what are you doing with that time? And that plays directly into, OK, what do you want to do with that time and what you want to have or be or whatever does play into that eight or nine times. So you can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, as it came along, I think it's just it's it's having honest conversations is exposing it's it's being positive of okay you want to get into broadcasting no one ever did this i had to figure this on my own and still even today you know this is my assumption how it probably should be from what i've come along if i was going to be successful in radio i was either going to have to uh and success meaning make more money um and get a higher title and since then i've you know titles are cheap mm-hmm. um that um, I was gonna have to get into sales, and that wasn't necessarily gonna light my boat on mm-hmm. on on selling advertising and you know in radio we say selling air because it's nothing there. You know, I just I'm trying to sell now. Okay, it's gone. I can't sell it anymore, mm-hmm. uh, and and ju- it's just a struggle because you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what I was interested in. I was interested in owning a radio station at one point and then corporate consolidation, bought up all these stations that I thought I would want to buy or get into or lead. And I was like, okay, that's, that's not for me. And now radio is kind of a, a thing, um, that just kind of exists. Um, 
You know, no one, no one talked to me about the future of that industry. No one talked to me about uh, what salary you can expect to make in a, in a small radio station first year out of college, um, knowing you can make more if you move on to a bigger market like Chicago or New York or L.A. or Houston. Uh, but, you know, that's where I said, I don't I don't want to go there. You know, that that was I remember thinking I, that's not where I want to be. That's the other, you know, 16 hours I was talking about. That's not where I want to be. Um, and I, I would still say that today, hindsight, no, that's not where I wanted to be. I did end up working radio in Richmond, Virginia, which is, you know, more of a, a bigger market, but, you know, that was kind of a part-time thing while I was exploring some other things and really solidify it. But, um, you got to do research and it's so much easier now, Steve, when you, when you look at Google and being able to connect with people on LinkedIn or, um, Googling people who have the positions that maybe you aspire to be and, and learning how they got there. Would they, I always like to ask, would you do it again? Would you, would you say yes to this position again? And if you did, what pathway would you best follow? And that's what I'd encourage these students and young people to, to, to do that is to have those experiences, meet those people. Cause if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. Um, that's really what it came down to. I didn't know. I just know I enjoyed doing it. You know, it comes back to that passion piece. I love doing it and I was good at it. So now you got to figure out, can I get paid for it? Um, and then sometimes, sometimes it depends if you get paid for it. It really depends on what level the world needs of it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, people need doctors and people need uh, uh, coders and perfusionists and things like that. Cause there's shortages uh, that are actually helping people. Um, those fill those four circles as it gets into it. Yeah. I think that so far, everything we talked about to me, it's kind of in line with vision because for me, it's nothing that other, nothing but a sense of direction, something that you're constantly moving towards. And I think that goals and dreams, which to me are just another term for big, big goals, just they're very different than vision. They end, you can reach them, you know? And I think something like with along the lines of vision, like you mentioned earlier with, um, the individual who liked to play or the water skiing, whatever he was doing. That's another piece of something that we really enjoyed. He got to fit into his own life um, that ultimately makes him happy and keeps him growing along with everything right. else that he's doing, you know? Uh, Cause again, like I know something about the, the end goals mentally will mess with you a little bit. I think, do you think, would you, would you agree? Cause I think when you have that one thing that you want to do and then you get there, then what, if you're fortunate enough to actually get there, you know, then what? Why do you keep going? Why do you wake up the next day? What's next? Right, right, right. You know, and, and that's hard when it comes to sports because you want to talk to a high school senior or a, a college senior or whatever, a junior about their pathways. And yeah. you're trying to, and their goal might be that college scholarship or might be next level Europe basketball or whatever. Um, you know, it is a challenge to tell them that there will be a time that they will not be playing sports. Uh, you know, you know, competitively, if you will, for a purpose, uh, other than just a rec league or intramurals or whatever, because um, coaches won't do that. And that's what's hard is coaches don't, especially at the at the uh, collegiate level, I found this and I worked in college athletics for a number of years and still have a lot of great friends in there. But, um, you know, your goal is to win that championship. You know, your goal is to, you know, win the conference championship, go to the postseason, go to the NCAAs, that type of thing. And and that's your focus, you know, get your, get your, uh, uh, get your degree and get that championship. You know, that mm -hmm. seems to be the focus, but what beyond that, you know, it's, that's kind of short sighted, but if you're thinking long sighted, I'm a coach going, 
I want to I want to make the best people here that yeah. half a percent may go on to actually make something in a sport, but a majority of them could go on and make some money professionally and want to continue to support University X basketball program. Um, that's the long play. And that's mm-hmm. that's where you see some success down the line. Um, I think I've talked in circles on what your what your question is. Yeah, that's um, all right. No, I mean, but I think. I'll, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and because um, I, I guess I'll go back to referencing. You know, it was my son there talking about water skiing. But um, one thing that you know I've seen through the pandemic and now through a, a short stay at home and quarantine, uh, their home learning and. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with with Minecraft, this online. I know what it is, yeah. <laughs> building type game, you know, and and he can get in there, and he is like living within the screen, and he's building and he's designing, and him and his he's got and he's doing it with his buddies. You know, we live four miles outside of town, just can't run to the neighbor's house, so they're online doing this stuff together. Two of their buddies are building a city, uh-huh. um, and he yeah. built this this building that looks like this town hall out of the colonial times. And I go, did, does that come with it? Or did you have a design? He goes, no, I just made it. Uh-huh. And I went, oh. And then, of course, my mind's like, what profession plays into this type of thinking? So that's, you know, can I expose him to that? I'm not going to say you should be an architect. Yeah. Because it may not be that. It may be something I don't even think about. But having that design thinking and that being able to think dimensionally. Yeah. Um, it's something I got to figure out, and that's an interesting. Know, that, that's, what I'm parents, that's what I'm hoping parents do is yeah. they notice the things um, that they're not sitting in the bleachers or see out of report cards that could yeah. really take a path there. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting segue. Um, video games. <laughs> I think that Minecraft is one in particular. You know that you can see the practical nature of it. You're kind of building something. You're, you're working through puzzles in your mind, constantly training the mind, which, again, I think falls in line to one of those skill sets you just mentioned um, in one of the professions you mentioned. But what do you think about like, video games today? I think they, they always used to be thought of as a waste of time. Could you or how could you, if you could at all, think of it as like a, or like a benefit in a sense into what you do with the CAPS program and helping these kids learn? What they might be good at or not. Minecraft is is a great example. I don't know how many other games there are like that actually test your mind in that way. But what do you think about that? You know, I haven't Googled it for a while, but I remember <laughs> typing in. I think when you first got involved in it, uh, jobs related to Minecraft, you know, excellence or something like that. Wow, I'm not yeah. really finding anything at that point, but I should I should probably do it again. Um, you know, I think I, there's so many things they can learn from that. Um, you know interacting with teens you know what i don't know what the video game system was in what that you remember from your childhood but mine was uh, the very first nintendo system uh mm. that i remember going to sit in our friend's basement and we're watching them play you know mario brothers or zelda or whatever it was yeah and yeah you're kind of sitting there watching each other play well now he's in the basement and his friends are in their basements or their rooms and they're playing online and they're but they're talking and they're interacting yeah. Um, which I think has, has been good for that. Yeah. Uh, I think with anything, it's that's the fine line of uh, how much is too much when it relates to video games. Um, yeah. It's just like Zoom calls. I end up on eight hours of Zoom calls, and I'm just like, oh, get me out of here. <laughs> All right. Um, or, or on my computer doing something that I just have to step away. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's, you know, and, and I'm, I'm probably guilty of this too, but, you know, urging parents to – 
to really kind of, I, I just went down one day and I said, he was playing uh, Fortnite, which I totally don't understand yet, but whatever. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, what's he doing? You know, and, and I just I just sat there and watched it and I asked questions and he was telling me. And, and I think that's what it comes into. There's things that, uh, you know, professionally you don't know, ask questions. Well, even mm-hmm. as an adult, I think I don't know. Um, I'm going to go ask questions. I'm, okay, why do you enjoy this so much? You know, let yeah. me see what it is. Um, and and kind of watch the skill sets they're putting in when it comes to, to strategy and organization and awareness and things like that and knowing what their limitations are and trying different things. Mm-hmm. Could, could you attach it to video games? I, I, I suppose. Um, uh-huh. This will be published, but I doubt my son will listen to it. So, um, <laughs> you know. So he's not going to hear me say these good things about uh, what he does with video games because right, I'm always trying right. to get him out of get him out of his house, get him out of the basement and outside just shooting hoops or something to get some activity. Uh huh. That's funny. Well, one thing you mentioned a second ago, communication. I guess I didn't think about that when it comes to video games. When you're calling each other and you're working through stuff together, you're communicating, you're talking, but then you just said a second ago about asking questions, whether it's asking you questions or asking somebody else questions. I mean, communication is the name of the game when it comes to just about everything we do in the world today business, pleasure, otherwise, you name it. So I guess I want to kind of tie this back in together. In the, in the program with, with, with the camps, when you're working with the kids or anybody, I think that building connections and networking with people is one of the most beneficial things you're ever going to do. First of all, it gets you out of your shell. You get to talk a little bit, get your ideas and thoughts out there. Um, but then you have stuff to reflect. You have stuff to learn, to always break through in your mind from other people that you talk to. And I think for me, I actually enjoy doing it. That's why I do it so often. Obviously, the podcast is a perfect platform for that because I learned things today that I wouldn't otherwise, and maybe you did the same. But how how do you encourage the kids to, to ask questions? I mean, sometimes you don't know what the heck to ask. How do you encourage practicing that other than just ask? You know what I mean? So how do you encourage it without um, being as, as simple as it? Just go ask the questions. You know what I mean? Because people all have their own reservations about their ideas, but at the same time, different comfort levels, you know? Well, and, and there's a there's a difference between, you know, I think students and kids will, will ask questions expecting you just to give them the answer. Mm. Um, and, and in CAPS, we ask a question with a question. Um, you know, I, I remember even doing it with uh, my son. He was so mad at, you know, how do I spell alphabet? I don't know. How do you spell alphabet? <laughs> you know, I'm not just going to tell you the letters. Yeah. You know, you know, how do I, you know, what questions do I, you know, asking this, what questions do I ask if somebody uh, wants me to build them a Facebook page? I don't know. You know, you're, you're, we're giving, I could tell you, but again, I'm just giving you point A to B. Um, why don't you ask Google? And then you've got to extrapolate that data, see what works, see what doesn't, see what's accurate, what fits in line. Um, you know, ask a professional, you know, asking open-ended questions, not just give me, Give me the thing that I need to do so I can get my A, so I can be successful. Um, you know, I think I would say I was always a professional question asker. I'm, I'm a certified economic developer. There's only about 1,100 of us in the country uh-huh. um, that you know, I was always, I would go into existing companies and kind of learn how, you know, help them grow and see if there's any challenges they have. And, you know, there's a whole slug of questions we'd ask um, that I just had to memorize because you don't want to look like you're on a sheet, check, check, check. I want to have a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I found out that was kind of a purpose I had was to learn. And, and you know, one of my uh, one of my motivators is is learning and developing others and that you can't do that without asking questions. But I'm just going through that same circle of um, do I like, you know, 
was I good at asking questions? Yeah, I thought I was. Could I get paid for it? Well, I was. Um, does the world need it? Well, the world needs answers, and that's what I was yeah. trying to provide in that world. And then um, that I love doing it. Um, I think I love doing it because I was connecting with people and yeah. getting to know more about who they were and, and the networks. And I, I'm a professional networker. That's really what uh, economic development is. And I look at all the circles like Megan Horn, who introduced us and and the circle that I knew her from is from an entrepreneurial circle. And it just kind of goes around and around mm-hmm. um, that if you aren't asking questions and aren't uh, reaching out, because I think you're the one that reached out to me yeah. uh, and asked me if, if we could connect. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, awesome. You know, you know, where, where does it all go? And I, I think I told you that's I go. Uh, she said she played softball with you. And I went, Steve, oh, is that a girl's name? I don't think it's a girl's <laughs> name. But it, it's not Steve, it's Stevo, right? Correct, correct. So that's me asking a question instead of saying, keep calling you Steve O and, and, and making you upset. Yeah. Um, and when you see you know, when you see me for the first time, like, um, is, is Steve O coming here soon? <laughs> <laughs> well, man. But hey, yeah, I think this is gonna be so key. That's how that's how yeah. you learn. That's how you learn, that's how you evolve. That's right. Yep. I think it's the perfect spot to end it. I mean, asking more questions is going to do something for you. It's going to help you open up a little bit more, but then the more you practice doing that, the closer you might get to asking the right questions in whatever field you're in, wherever you want to go with your life. Questions are key, I think. So Nate, thanks so much again for doing this one. Real quick, before we end it, um, for those that are listening, that are super interested in what Nate talked about and how he might be able to help you out, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they listen to you, Nate? Yeah, the the best place you go to my website, nateclaybird.com. I'm on all these social media as well, pretty active on on LinkedIn and and uh, Instagram. Uh, you know, but I've I've got a program that's you know discovering your path. Uh, do some introductory calls if they tell me they heard this in the podcast. We'll uh, we'll make it worth their while. Um, but yeah, go to nateclaybird.com and there's a button on there that says discover your path now. And you know, within a 30, 40 minute call and some assessments, and all of a sudden you can go from a uh, a clarity of of not seeing your hand in front of your face to seeing a mile down the road and, and what your future could be. Perfect. Thank you so much. Real quick for everybody listening. Again, this is Stavo and you listen to Vision is Greater Than Anything. Until next time. <laughs>